0: Well, that was fun. Thank you, Jesus, for a fun worship team. That was a great time. Thank you guys very much. That was a good, that's a good way to start the day. We could probably just go and we'd be all right. But I did promise you that we're going to get back to the second of four parts to a one-part message we started last week. Ah, Good morning, everybody. Welcome. To our family room. It's good to see everybody. Although I noticed there's a few less than we had last week. I'm not sure if I'm running people off or if it's the weather. We're just going to go with the weather today. It is so good to see everybody. Uh, last week, the discussion that we started, we titled, The Gospel, Then What? And it's not to add to the gospel, it's more of a think about it on a map. It's not, we're not adding things to this, like the gospel, and then we're going to add to it. But think about, like, when we get to the gospel, we get to the state line, where are we going from here? We're not leaving the gospel, we're entering into the gospel, and what is next in our lives? Today we're going to continue in this vein. There's a little bit of a review. The overarching thing that I really, um, and I was actually just thinking about during worship again, it's not in my notes, and it wasn't in my notes last week, but it has been on my heart all week. Um is the, the idea that just because we're not trusting in something for our eternal security doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. And you say, like, I, I'm not sure I follow you. So before Jesus came, there was, a, there was a law, a mosaic law. It was written on stone. And nobody would measure up to it. If you thought you did, just read a few more verses, a few more commandments and you'll figure out you're not going to measure up to it. The idea of the law, and Paul explains this in Romans, the idea of the law is to bring us all to a point of disqualification. That We talked about this last week, to shh, that every mouth may be stopped, that all of our but, 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 but will be over and done with. And so in that old covenant mindset, you behaved, you did good works, we'll put them in quote, we did good works as a form of our right standing with God to prove to earn our right standing with God. Even though ultimately our right standing with the Father was going to need some sacrifice, the idea was it was a part of our working for salvation. But now the new covenant has come, and we talked about it last week, the equation. Remember, we talked about this kind of all through it. We're going to talk about it again today. I could give you the number two, another number two, a plus symbol, an equal symbol, and the number four, and you could arrange them in a true equation. You could also, we talked about last week, arrange them in an equation that was untrue. In other words, you could put a two plus a four equals a two. If I gave you those numbers, that's, we know that's not a true equation. That's not, that's not true anymore. It's The numbers are there. You could line them up that way, but it doesn't make them true. And we talked about with regards to faith and our walking as believers, we have to put Good, right living, good decision making. We got to put it in the right place. For a lot, for a long, long time, we've had grace plus faith, God's part plus our part of believing plus good works and behavior equals right standing with the Father. And we talked last week. That's not an accurate or true statement. That's like two plus four equals two. It's not a true statement. And so, what? What a lot of this is a kind of review, but what a lot of Christianity has kind of done is we're like, we don't know really what to do. That's not a true statement. So we'll just white out over the good works. Like it doesn't matter. We're just going to white it out. So then faith plus gra- grace plus faith equals right standing with the Father. And we just leave it there. When according to, which would be fine, except that all of Scripture is like that other factor there is important. Where are you going to put it? Don't white it out because then you're going to white out massive chunks of not just the Bible, but of new covenant scripture. So we don't, it's like, what do we do it? Well, we whited it out for a while, but when we whited it out and we live with that equation as truth in our lives, we have to read very selectively. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but when we consider the reality that in the scriptures, which are inspired by God, they were given to us many, many, many years ago, and in them, the truth regarding our eternal being is revealed. So it's not a small thing. So once, my father-in-law used to get, at Christmas time, for Christmas, he would get us, um, he'd get like a dozen lottery tickets, or 30 lottery, and it was just like a fun thing. It was like the dollar, the che- and every once in a while through opening gifts, he would hand them out to us, and everybody would scratch them off, and it was always exciting to see who didn't win. Because once in a while, you'd get some that you won. And there was occasionally, I would try and steal from my wife her cards because she wouldn't necessarily know how to scratch them off right or under. So she's like, oh, I didn't win. And I'm like, no, you did, but you don't know it, so I'll just take that one. And it was like dollar card, you know, you didn't win a lot. But that's not what we're talking about here. Little things where it's like, oh, you scratched it off wrong, and it's like, oh, you, you, yeah, you forfeited a dollar, you did not you did the thing. That's not, when we're understanding the Word of God This is about eternity. There's a weight to this. I want to get it right. Not necessarily, I don't don't hear get it right like, well, I want to try and behave enough. No, I want to understand properly the Scriptures that we've been given and find where I'm at in there, what my instructions are in there, and then walk it out because eternity hangs in the balance of getting this right. Can I get one amen? Like, this is a big deal. This isn't like, well, you know, I didn't really understand. You ever get a new job somewhere and they give you all this, they give you like mountains of paperwork. It's like, I don't know what to do with all this. Like, what do you want to do for, how, how do you file your taxes? Do you file jointly, married, or separately married, or individually, or do you have dependents or your dog's dependents? And you, like, I don't really know how I want to do this withholding. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the year, they're going to tell you, you owe more money anyways. It's like it doesn't matter. That's not a huge, it's like, well, I, I think I got that maybe a little wrong. That's, this is way bigger than that. This is very, very, very important that we come to a proper understanding. So when we're doing this equation, we've got grace, the grace of God, which is clearly portrayed in scripture. We've got faith, which is our part to believe, which is a heart condition and decision. It's not a, it's not like a, an action. And then We've got the, the good works or right living that's in there somewhere, and we've got eternal right standing with the Father. And we want to walk in eternal right standing with the Father. We're just sometimes cloudy on what we do with that right, or right living and right decision making and behaving. Anybody else ever? I've like, I'm being transparent. I've been confused with this before. Like, I don't know, because it's, it's by grace. Like, I'm not sure what to, where to put some of this stuff. There's been, the Holy Spirit's done a lot of work and a lot of teaching and a lot of instructing in my heart. And the way that I found he instructs me, this will blow your mind, is when I spend time in the word of God. We're gonna get back to this. What I started this morning, we're gonna get back to the Holy Spirit teaching the word. I want, today, I wanna to, to convey that Doing a thing before Jesus came, we'll use not committing adultery, before Jesus came was a commandment, weren't supposed to commit adultery, if you did, do not pass, go, do not collect $200, go straight to hell. Offer sacrifices, you do the stuff. We see David was grace was poured out in David's life because the Mosaic law that was given, David violated it, and yet he went on to live and serve as a king. So grace was active even before Jesus came. But how many of you know that not committing adultery, even if it won't send you to hell, is still dumb? That's, nobody says that kind of stuff in church, but it's still very harmful you know that? Like, even if you're like, okay, I read through scripture, and I'm pretty convinced that if I get born again, I can still commit adultery and still go to heaven. It's like, that's the bar? That's like, well, as long as it doesn't, it's like, I'm just gonna, I, I be born again, and then, and since it's right believing, then I can kind of do whatever I Like, how many of you know that the things that are instructions for our lives, right living, even if eternity doesn't hang on it, Right? Living is still worthwhile. In fact, it's very worthwhile. This is, there's a freedom in this. And the freedom is not like, oh boy, I'm free to try harder to be better. No, no, we're free to read the word of God, to read it all of it, and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe upon it and say, this is something, you know you're righteous, right? Because like this doesn't look righteous. You know the idea of convince or convict. It's to make the case for something. Like, if I want to convince you of something, it's, I gotta show you this. It's like, you, I, I don't know, I doubt that. I was like, oh no, 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 let me show you. This is why I think this. That's the Holy Spirit's job in our lives. It's to convince us or to convict us of righteousness, which means when our life looks unrighteous and the Holy Spirit comes along and he's like, listen, you know you're righteous, right? Well, because like, from where I'm standing, the decisions you're making, Isaac, it doesn't look like you know that you're righteous. A lot of times the church has taken that, we, we think the Holy Spirit's job is, he's always around like, you're a terrible person. You should try harder to be better. Like, no, the Holy Spirit's like, you, you know who you are, right? Did you, did you forget? Like, you, you must have forgot. I've got that from the Holy Spirit before. And it sounds just about like that, where it's like, You must have forgot, because this does not look like you know. Oh, no, Uh, I was just confused. (laughs) I misheard, I misread, or I read around things. But the point that I was trying to convey is just because a thing does not send us directly to hell does not mean we should do it. Just because we're not trusting in our behavior for our right standing with God doesn't mean we should discard our behavior in the dumpster of life. Does that make sense? It's like, oh, I'm free. I want you all to know today you are free. We are free. Look through scripture and let the Holy Spirit say, listen, I want to like work with you on this because this isn't who you are. Like the way you've been deciding this stuff isn't actually who I made you to be. We gotta keep moving. This could be a five part thing. Remember, we talked about the equation, we talked about receiving the gift of God in the person of Jesus Christ. There is a temptation to coast. Because it is by grace, through faith, there is a temptation. It is always there. And the way I know it's always there is because Paul addressed it over and over again. Should you just keep sinning? Should you just, whatever, life? Did you just, meh, I don't know, whatever. No, no, you shouldn't. God forbid, let's not do that. He goes on and on about this. We don't, before we get into this, though, we have to, we're going to redo this every single week we talk about this. We must believe in God's Son, which is to not believe in ourselves for our salvation. John chapter three, verses 15 through 18, look it up. We're not gonna read it right now, but look it up. Jesus is very clear. Do not believe in yourself. It is only by believing in me, as your right standing with the Father, that you receive salvation. It is simple. Romans chapter three, we talked last week. Every person who will spend, spend eternity with the Lord has to at one point been found guilty. The law will find you guilty. Every person, every time... And until we realize and acknowledge our guilt, we will never accept someone taking our sentence. Because how many of you know that, that if someone comes along, if Tom gets pulled over and he gets convicted of some terrible crime, driving super fast, and and he's like, no, I wasn't driving super fast. And I'm like, listen, I'll pay your fine. For me to step in, think about this. This is an important legal thing. I want to talk about this. If, If Tom, let's slow down, Isaac. We'll just slow down this whole thing. If Tom gets pulled over, driving down Route 2, going 100 mile an hour, the cop says he's going 100 mile an hour. The fee's $1,000. You got to pay $1,000. And I say, listen, Tom, I will pay your fine. For him to accept my payment is an admission of guilt. Do you know that? It's, it's, he's admitting I was wrong if he's accepting. If he wasn't going 100, he would never want any don't anybody pay because that says I'm guilty. We will never receive Christ Jesus as our savior without an admission of guilt. In fact, in receiving Jesus as our savior, there is an admission of guilt, saying I need a savior. I believe in Jesus. It's a simple principle, but I really want us to hold fast to it. Obtaining this great salvation, not super complicated. Jesus came to remove all the hoops to jump through. He paid every fee, every fine, and read and fulfilled all the fine print. You know, at the end of an advertisement, it's like, and you may suffer this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and you're not subject to this, and this, and this. All the He did all of that. Salvation is a gift. It is not earned, and you don't deserve it, and neither do I. That's why he had to give it to us as a gift. Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31 is an example of this. We're not gonna read it today. Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10. If you got a piece of paper and you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not real sure about this, pastor. Read these scriptures, read the context around them, and come back and talk to me if you still are not sure about this. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight, nine, and 10 is another place, great context to get, understand that it is by grace, through our believing in faith, that we receive salvation. But then what? You just believe in Jesus and we're done? There's nothing else for us? No, if that was the case, we would just be raptured immediately. You believe in Jesus? Poof, you're present with the Father, you're absent from this body. But that ain't how it works. We're still here. Some of you got born again many, many decades ago. I got born again, I believed, I put faith in Jesus when I was nine years old on the front porch of our house. I remember that day. I remember that night. It was November. I don't have the exact date written down. I had it in a Bible that I don't currently have anymore. But it was in November, and it was a Tuesday night on the front porch of our house. There's a specific point in time, and I'm still here. I didn't just vanish to present with the Father. Now, we're left here for a reason. And we talked about, I'm trying to move through this. Unfortunately, we seem, uh, as believers, we've lost our way regarding how we live Uh, Many of us, we talked about this, have been raised up measuring our lifestyle against eternity. We were terrified to live because we didn't want to disqualify ourselves. Anybody been there where you're like, oh, I can't do it, I can't make any decision because I don't want to disqualify myself from heaven. It's fear and hellfire and judgment and brimstone and whatnot. But then the other side, the other ditch is as long as it doesn't cost me heaven, it's all good, which is licentiousness. We're just like, everything's probably fine As long as I still go to heaven, what do I care? Which is an equally ridiculous measure of our life decisions and behavior. We talked about this last week. Jesus didn't come to earth as a human, live a sinless life, die a horrible, undeserving, sacrificial death on the cross so we can skip along our merry way living like idiots. He loves us way too much to leave us just how he found us. We talked last week in the natural. If someone gets saved from something, it means they're no longer in the thing. Like, you don't save a drowning person and then leave them there to drown. It's like, huh, I can save you and I'll just leave you here to drown. Get them out of the water, out of the situation that they were in. We talked, and I'm not going to read it again because everyone's brains were tied in a bit of a pretzel when we were done. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, which comes right before what Jody shared with us this morning, uh, you can write that down and read yourself into a knot on on your own time. Paul explains, like, the things I don't want to do are the things I'm doing, the things I'm doing are the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't seem to want to, I can't do those, and so I'm doing the things I don't want to do, and it goes on and on for five verses of that, but it's really important that we understand that just because a struggle exists doesn't mean we should give up, because how many of you know, and we learned everybody that's in here, with the exception, I think, of Sydney, can count at least to eight, and how many of you know that Romans chapter seven comes right before Romans chapter eight, that's good news. That's good news. That's not a, oh my, that's good news. It's like, even though Paul was in this spot, having this discussion in his mind and with his pen, he still makes it to Romans chapter 8, where he says, there is therefore no condemnation for any man who is in Christ Jesus. Where are you at if you believe in Jesus this morning? You're in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's good, that's good news. This brings us largely up to Today. There's gonna be some overlap. There already has been a lot of overlap, but I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help us navigate that, help administer that and sort out the stuff that you're like, I know that, I know that, I'll just sort it out He'll help you. Two things can be true at once. This is a valuable principle in life in general. A lot of times we focus on one thing to the exclusion of everything else, and it's really important. It's, it's wisdom to be able to look at a situation and say more than one thing may be true at the same time. Even with the desire to do good, we will fall short. That's true. I'm not speaking that prophetically. I'm saying it is true. Our flesh ain't fixed yet. This world isn't fixed yet. It's got all kinds of issues in it, all kinds of problems, and our natural existence has not been fixed. So even though we have a desire to do good, we will fall short. The second thing that's true at the same time is we should desire to live differently and do good. Even though you're going to fall short, we should still desire it. That's not bad news. That's not condemnation. And I I made this, I shared this last week. It is very important that, so I'm speaking to each of you as though we're mature Christians. So what I mean by that is I'm asking that none of you take this as an opportunity to be offended. None of you take this as an opportunity to be angry or to feel guilt or condemnation. We are studying the word of God. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that he's going to help you understand this and he's going to give you grace to give me as I misspeak periodically. The two important questions that we come to today are why and who. Why Why is It's not in order to earn right standing or to prove our right standing, which are two uh, misunderstandings that happen. It's like, I'm trying to earn it. We talked about that one a lot. Or I'm trying to prove it. And people see that as, well, that's very different. You're like, I am trying to prove. You're not trying to prove anything. It's not on you to prove anything. Rather, it's because of our right standing and it was a free gift, now we're free to live differently. We're not, and this is a simple, uh, maybe cliche thing to say, but I'm gonna share it with you. I think it may bless you. It's, we're not free to sin. We're free from it. It's, the point isn't, it's like, well, I'm free to do whatever I want. No, you're free from all the things that you used to wanna do. And I'm not walking this perfectly. Don't anyone here like, well, he must have it figured out. No, I'm just, we're looking at scripture. I am a work in progress on this also. But the who is Jesus promised when he was about to leave this earth that he would send his spirit and that it was even better than him staying. He said it's expedient that I, send my, that I go so much the spirit can come. And when his spirit arrived, it would lend us power. He promised to always be with us and his presence in our lives, regardless of our behavior, gives us the wherewithal to walk in freedom. The who question you're not the answer to this question. You're not the I'm not the answer to this question in my life. Jesus and his spirit. I shared with you at the end of the week, or at the end of the message last week, that as we study scripture, I am not going to tell you how to live. And I, there was a deep sigh of relief when I say, like, I'm not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna read scripture and say, so everybody do this and nobody do that. But what I am going to do is we're going to study scripture. We're going to read scripture. We're going to study to show ourselves approved a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. We're not going to skip stuff. And then I'm going to trust that the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you applies it and shows you in your heart this is something that I want to I want to show you who I made you to be in this. My question today are we still willing to learn? As believers today, are we even open to correction from the word or from each other? Do we study the word and listen to teachings, spend time with believers here or elsewhere, seeking to grow in our faith authentically? Or are we stuck in somewhat of an echo chamber only listening to people and reading scripture that affirms our bias? It's, I've been in both places I'm telling you that, again, nobody leaves here with condemnation. In Jesus' name, nobody leaves with condemnation. I've been in both places, and a few of you have sat with me for lengths of time discussing and hearing my questions that sometimes are circular reasoning. I've spent time in both camps. I've spent time where it's like, I don't want to listen to anything that is not exact, that doesn't reaffirm exactly where I'm at. And then the Lord showed me, he's like, you know know you're biased. I'm like, No, I mean, I know people can be, but I I don't think I, he's like, no, you are, you are. You defend the things you're terrified of, and you defend your vices, and you even read scripture around that, and I'm like, I think you got the wrong guy. Little by little, he showed me he was spot on. I've been there. I want to get to the place where we study the word, we listen to teachings. We interact with each other. We sharpen. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we, we seek with authenticity to learn and to grow. How many of you know that if our, if our decision making and the way we lived didn't matter at all, then nearly every letter in the New Testament wouldn't reference behavior stuff. It, w- it wouldn't even be in there. It wouldn't say, it's like just, we would see that re- that revealed in scripture we would see Paul writing over and over again and he does talk about behaving as a means of right standing with the father he talks about a lot and I'm grateful for because I've spent some time in that camp but he doesn't say so just don't worry about it just do whatever you want to in fact he counsels and argues and encourages against that very thing knowing that that was a thing going on in his day and a thing that would be going on today. Our decision-making daily matters tremendously. Uh, One one common misconception that we run into in in Christian cultures today is that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, which I don't have the the three-in-one perfectly mastered. I'm learning more about that all the time. But the the third part of the Godhead, the Spirit of God, dwells on the inside of us. And there, there's a misconception that through osmosis, he will just train Christians on exactly how to live, what to do and what to avoid. It's just, osmo- it's just like, I'll just be, I'm just going to do kind of whatever feels good. And I'm going to say it was leading the Holy Spirit without any input. From, what's, what's fun, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. Anybody got an amen for that? The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, and he is our teacher but on the syllabus page of the Holy Spirit's class the whole council of the Godhead is listed as required reading that's like right when you, you remember what a syllabus was you're looking at me like you don't know what a syllabus was I did go to college classes before I know some stuff and in a syllabus it's a very it's like all the things that you need to have you need to have these books you need to read this stuff you need to have these handouts you need to have all this stuff on the syllabus page of the Holy Spirit's class in being my child is read the whole counsel. It's required reading the whole counsel of the Godhead. Not required like, if you don't read it, I'm taking my spirit from you. That's not it at all. He's saying, if you want to do well in this class, you want to excel in this, read the whole counsel of the Godhead we spoke about this last week, but we tend to cherry pick our Bible reading in order to make the word say something or not say something that it may not mean when we read it in its entirety. (laughs) The example with regards to our living and our lifestyle, the decisions we make, it's found in scripture, we often need reminded to stop doing the dumb things that our old man or our flesh love to do. And In fact, I dare say that's all of our behavior stuff. It's like, reverting to old man tendencies. And, you know, I appreciate that as the authors of the New Testament give instructions on right living, they so often, I, I would say always, but I'm sure there's a caveat somewhere where it didn't, but so often they do so in a way to remind us of our new identity. If you've got your Bibles, so you're gonna to turn to Ephesians chapter four, verses 17 through 24. We're gonna read this whole chunk and kind of see what, the way Paul crafts this discussion in the book of, to the church at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians We'll pick up in verse 17. He says, he writes, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understandings darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is within them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Verse 20, but you You see, this is an identity thing. This is understanding who you are. All the instruction given in Scripture isn't to try to get you to be something, which is refreshing. It's not, Paul's not like, try harder to be a different person. He says, you are a different person. Put it on. It's an invitation. Put on the new man. Don't be who you used to be be who I made you to be. There's a bunch. Of, Colossians chapter three, Romans chapter seven, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 13, first Corinthians, Galatians chapter five, uh, Ephesians four, Philippians three, first Thessalonians four, Timothy's, the letters to Timothy, Titus, James four, first Peter, there's all kinds of letters and they all reference, if, if, you were, if you want to go back and listen, it'll be on the thing, all those, look at all those, read them in their entirety and you will find the author of the New Testament cared about the behavior of the New Testament church. And that's okay. We're free. There's a freedom in being able to say, you know what? I am not supposed to make the same choices after I got born again that I made before I got born again. Now, It's imperative, we always are gonna circle back to that equation, that we don't move that good works to the other side of the equal sign. And it's like, so we have to have it to be born again. That's not what we're talking about. It's not what we're talking about at all. You've been born again, you've been purchased with the blood of Jesus, so now go and look like it. We were going on a trip when I was a kid. I don't know how old I was, I was... It seems like I was probably somewhat of a kid. We were going to go, a bunch of us were going to go ride four-wheeler. And uh, one of my friend's dads yelled at us as we were leaving their place. He said, act like you got some bringing up. And I think about that often. And I think, do we act like we got some bringing up? Do we act like we're indwelt with the Spirit of God? Is that something? Do not as, a con- not as a form of condemnation, and I, I keep circling back to condemnation, because it's the temptation is right there to back. "So I'm not right with God. No, you are. Act like it. Think: How does a righteous person act? Do we ask ourselves questions like that? Do we ask ourselves, "I'm the right so make a declaration, and we've got daily declaration? Cards that I think they're still back there. If we don't, we need to get some more. I don't know, are they back there, Tom? Okay, we gotta put some more together. They will be back there. I'll make an announcement when they are. But on them, it declares who we are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And what I'm inviting us, ask the question, say, make the declaration. I am the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. Make that declaration every day. And then ask yourself, how does a righteous person act? Not a self righteous person. It's a big difference. A self righteous person is like, all I gotta be is a little better than the next guy. No, you've already been made righteous. You're so righteous. You're perfect in Christ Jesus. Your spirit has been completely perfected and made new. So, how's that guy walk? And remember, you got it for free. You know, arrogance and self-righteousness only comes from when we're involved. You know, it's impossible for me to be self-righteous if, I, if my righteousness is a gift. It's like, well, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Like, don't forget that. You know, does yeah, that make sense? It's, it's one thing to be, uh, to start from nothing. In the, I'm gonna explain this in a natural sense. If I started from nothing, 18 years old, kicked out of the house, dirt poor, not a penny to my name, and 10 years later, I'm a millionaire, and I've got a beautiful mansion. <sighs> Pretty big deal. Do you know how little of a deal I am if at 18, my parents give me a million-dollar mansion, and 10 years later, I still am living in the same mansion on the same trust fund that mom and dad gave me? Now, I, people are still puffed up about that, but they don't have any right to be I didn't earn it, so I was a gift. Our righteousness is exactly the same. We have no reason to be puffed up. You are completely righteous by the blood of Jesus that you couldn't earn. Remember, you had to get to an admission of guilt. By accepting Jesus, there's a built-in admission of guilt. I am guilty, I am not righteous. Here is the gift of right standing with the Father. And now we ask ourselves, so I just was given this freely, how does a righteous person who got it for free, how do they live? This is a, you might, you're, some of you are kind of staring at me, which is fine. Ask yourself this question freely. Like, not here, you can do it here, but do it on your own time. When you're driving down the road. Tomorrow morning, when you're driving, wherever you drive tomorrow morning, you get in the vehicle and you start it. And if you, if you have any bringing up at all, you're going to let it warm up for a minute. Okay? So I just, that's a life. That's nothing to do with walking with Jesus. That's just a dad thing. Because nobody wants to, yeah, just let it warm up for a few minutes while your vehicle is warming up. Ask yourself, how does a righteous person act? How does a freely gifted righteous person act? Let that dominate your thoughts, not because you're trying to earn it. Because remember, it was a free gift. You got it for free. Now, The scripture I really wanted to get into today is in uh, the book of Titus, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 15. And we're going to move, kind of. I'm going to move quickly through this, but I do want to talk about this because this is really important. There's two things I was going to get to today, and we are not to them yet. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. This is Paul's letter to Pastor Titus. And he's giving him instructions about the New Covenant. This isn't instructions about the Old Covenant. This is instructions about the New Covenant. These are things that he cares about deeply. He's probably not going to spend a tremendous amount of time with Titus. It's just like, I'm going to write you this letter. I want you to keep it. I want you to pastor and shepherd and lead by this. He says, verse 11, "...for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men." teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, purify himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you." We're going to get to one of the things that I wanted to get to today, and and we're good with that. Verse 11 and 12, for the grace of God, everybody say "Grace grace of God. Grace of God that brings salvation, so it's a free gift that we didn't earn and we didn't deserve from God that brings salvation, has appeared unto all men. Verse 12, teaching us, whoa, whoa, whoa. The grace of God teaches us? I thought the grace of God just said it doesn't matter. No, the grace of God, it'll teach us. As we sit with the grace of God and the revelation of the grace of God is found right here. As we sit with the grace of God, it will teach us. And I, I wanna, I don't wanna add to scripture, okay, but I wanna draw on that word teaching. How many of you have ever learned anything in an instant? Anybody? I took piano lessons from when I was like six, 6, 7 to like 18. And then I learned more after 18 than I ever learned before. It took a long time to learn piano. To be fair, I was not the greatest practicer of all time, which I know is a shock to everyone in here. I didn't spend quite as much time practicing. But it took a long, long period of time. I took violin lessons for like five years and was not a markedly good violinist. And I, that one I practiced a lot because I thought that's a really cool, I wanted to learn that. I couldn't, it just, it takes so much time to learn some of this stuff. So in this, I want us to see the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us which is going to take some time, thank you Jesus, to deny, denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, how should we live? Live soberly, righteously, and godly. Not in the sweet by and by. When we talk about that, it's like there's going to be no you know, time. We sang the song, Come Jesus, Come, which I love that song. And it's not just when Jesus gets here, then we're, not, then we're going to live. Then we're going to live godly in that age. He's like, no, in this present age, there's a high calling to children of God. Not to earn something, not to prove something, but because we've received as a free gift, salvation. But it takes, it takes humility to be taught by the grace of God. And you might think, I'm not real sure I've got the humility to learn for the grace of God. And I would say, I bet you are. If you're here today and you're born again, you had the humility to receive the grace of God at one point. It's the same humility. It's the same humility that it took to receive the grace of God that it takes to be taught by the grace of God. It's when you get to the point where you say, I I don't understand this, Lord. I'm struggling with this thing. I'm doing a little battle with this thing. I don't feel like I'm maybe living godly or righteous or soberly in this present age. Could you help me with that, Lord? That's, that's humility, which is not our natural, uh, we don't just tend towards humility. But it's the opportunity in front of us. And, oh, there's so much the authors of the New Testament, they give us instruction on right living, and like I said, so often it's not as a way to like tell you to try to be something, but it's because you've already got something. This is something that, um, I got one more metaphor, and then we're going to wrap it up. I had a very short discussion with Melinda on the way home last week about managing time while preaching, and so <laughs> we're going to be about done soon, but we're not trying to, the author's Paul here in Titus, and all through scripture, they're not trying to convince us to to try to be something. In fact, it's reminding us that we're not who we used to be. And this is the last metaphor I'm going to leave you with today. Um, I got a friend who recently got a pretty big promotion. Good, good guy. He loves the Lord with all his heart. And, and he recently got, a and it was somewhat unexpected on his part. He was very content, very happy with where he was. It was like, all things, it's, I'm good. And then his boss comes along and he's like, hey, we got this opening. We'd like, and it was a fairly sizable promotion. Well, this past week I got a chance to talk with him. And we were talking on the phone, and, and I said, uh, I said, so do you is there somebody that come up underneath you to take because this guy was busy all the time in his original position. Is there somebody like coming up to take some of your responsibility? He's like, well, some of it. Some of it's you know, but I'm still, I still keep doing stuff. I said, how's that work? He said, well, my boss actually has said something to him. And I love this because it's exactly what we're talking about. His boss doesn't, it's like, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that anymore. You need to, somebody else is supposed, it's a reminder. You know, you don't do that job anymore. It's, that's not who you, that's not on your job. That's not you anymore. And I got this picture today as believers this is the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've got this old man. We got born again. The old man is is dead and dying. It's dead in the spirit and it's dying in the flesh. And some, the Holy Spirit comes along. And he's like, you know, you don't have to answer that call anymore. You don't have to answer that email anymore. And this guy, he's got he gets lots of communications. Phone rings all the time. And every time we talk on the phone, it's like it's a phone. It's like, I got a phone call. I got this it's stuff going all the time. And it's like his boss had to tell him, and I'm adding to his story on this part, but it's like his boss, like, you know, you don't have to answer that anymore. That's not your department. Any- You're not, you don't work there like that anymore. You're up here. Do the things that I gave you to do up here. As believers today, I want to invite you to look at your life that way and say, you know what? I don't have to answer the same phone calls I answered before I knew Jesus. How many of you have been answering the door, the same door, the same way that you did before you were born again? You don't have to raise your hands I can, I'm raising my hand, I've done it. Where I've spent, it's like, I still go to the same door. It's like, hey, is this Isaac, terrible sinner? Yep, open the door, and I have, it. it's like, the Lord's like, you don't have to answer that door. In fact, I don't want you to. I gave you a promotion, I made you my son. You're up here in the C-suites. Don't show up at maintenance every day. You're up here now. Does this does this picture make sense? We got some, we need reminded, because as a human on this earth, we punched into that old time clock for a long time. It's like, well, I don't know, I always go there at 6.55, I punch in, I do this. The Lord's like, not anymore. You're on salary. You come to the office. You park in the parking spot that says reserved for my child. Don't punch into that same clock You don't work with those guys anymore. You're a new creation. You're my child. You don't answer to the same foreman. You don't answer to the same boss. You're over, you're no longer under. That's an invitation. This isn't like this isn't condemnation. Please, nobody feel pressure. This is an opportunity that is before us as believers to say, I am not, when we walk out of this place today, I encourage you, I am not going to answer the same dog on phone. And this is a metaphor, understand, I expect all of you to answer when I call. But I'm not gonna I'm not going to identify as the same person that I did before Jesus. And I'm inviting you, church, if you're here today and you say, Well, I don't know if that'll work for me, I got born again 50 years ago. It'll work today. Renew your mind today. Take the opportunity to say, I am not the old man anymore. Why have I been okay? And the lie has permeated our Christian culture that it's like, well, as long as it doesn't cost you eternity, why don't you just keep hanging out with us down here in maintenance? And the Lord's like, ring, ring, where are you? Well, I was, uh, you're not in the C-suite, the office that I gave you? I'm sitting in your office looking, and you're nowhere to be found. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I should get back to my office. This is a metaphor. I, I love the story. You know I love the story, but just think about that. How often do we do that? Where are we like, well, it's just old habits. like I'm just back here doing old Isaac stuff. And the Lord's like, come on, back up here. Tom, you want to come up and play some guitar for us? It's imperative that we understand our abstaining from doing stupid things. It's it's a thing we pursue with the power of the Holy Spirit. We allow him the voice by spending time rightly dividing the word of truth. We allow him the voice to speak into our life and say, hey, what are you doing down there? Remember? Remember what I gave you? You know, I gave you a suit to wear today. You go put your suit on. Come back up to the office. Go, change. I'll help you. It's a gift. There's going to be a third week of this. Possibly four. Four. It's not a, this isn't participating in your salvation. I wanna be real clear about that. I don't want anybody confused. You are not an active participant in your being made right with God. Jesus did that because we couldn't. 4,000 years of human history proved you ain't gonna make it on your own. He says, I'll do that. And then I'm going to give you a new set of clothes. I'm going to give you a new office. I'm going to give you a new phone. I'm going to make you my child. And I will spend the rest of your life reminding you that you are my child. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but this gift of salvation is for you and I. It's a new identity. It's Peter, old Peter. Someday I aim to be more like old Peter. I love old Peter. I love his, his heart. and the, He reminds us, reminds the church that you are a righteous and a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It's who you are. If you're here today and you believed in Jesus for five minutes or five decades, you are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. He will never throw you out. He will never throw you out. The Father will always be found, regardless of the pig pens that we find ourselves in. He will always be waiting for you, church. Always be waiting for you. And when you come to him, he will have robes. He will have a new outfit for you. And he will say, you are always my child. welcome home. If you would join with me and stand, I'd like to dismiss us with a declaration this morning. We declare the Revelation Rock that we are free. Lord, we are free from the fear of death or punishment. We are free from the bondage of our old selves and free to read Scripture and trust that you, Holy Spirit, you will teach us and lead us As we step out into the week before us, we know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. Though this world is not on our side, we can still choose to walk with the boldness of lions, knowing that the Holy Spirit will never leave us nor forsake us. We declare today with King David that the steps of the righteous, those made righteous by the blood of Jesus, the steps of the righteous are ordered and established of the Lord. Bow with me if you would. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. We're, we're learning to rightly divide the word of truth. We're learning to discern the revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus. That all of the instructions and the exhortations and the encouragements that you give us for our lives in scripture, that they're given to us as children of God. Father, I thank you that we can never earn it, we can never deserve it, and you did it for us. You made us righteous. Lord, I thank you that you've promised to never leave us and nor forsake us. Thank you for this picture of a new identity that our old selves are dead. We don't have to answer to that name anymore. Father, I just pray that this reality would remind and encourage and that it would be a source of confidence for us as believers as we leave this place today. We would confidently hold your hand and take the next step, knowing that in our heart we've made our plans, but you will guide and direct our steps. Father, I thank you for each person that's here. I pray a blessing over them. We declare the blessing of Abraham over this body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys have a wonderful week. Part three will be next week.